Welcome to the November 22nd edition of the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shorten. I think this actually marks episode or podcast 15, which is pretty cool. I didn't know that I'd get this far when I started, but I mean, we're coming into fantasy season, so how can I not keep going? How bloody exciting has this last week been? Yahoo and ESPN leagues have opened up. There's been trades flowing. There's been rookie draft. The free agents are, are signing left, right, and center. And the fantasy window is well and truly open. As promised, I'm going to run through some of the probably top relevant fantasy rookies for this season, as well as recent trades and free agents and what they do for fantasy value. So with the first pick of the NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves selected Anthony Edwards. So Anthony Edwards was a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought that they were going to take Lamelo, but it does make sense long term. I think he'll start opening night, but I'm not 100% solid on him being fantastic in his first season. I think he could absolutely lead all rookies in terms of scoring, but his best play is when he's got the basketball in his hands. And while they've still got D'Angelo, while they've still got Carl Anthony Towns, I just don't know if he's going to get the touches that he needs to be a budding star right away. As the scoring is going to be there, I'm just a bit concerned about the other things. In dynasty leagues, absolutely grab him. But in redraft leagues, I think he's probably worth a pick at about the 100, maybe 110 range, but I wouldn't really reach much higher than that. James Wiseman, he went to, he went to the Golden State Warriors. I think he's going to start. And if he doesn't, I think he could play starter minutes. Kevon Looney is the only person really standing in his way. Um, Kevon Looney's also got asthma, so he doesn't play a ton of minutes because of that. So James Wiseman, is he's in probably the perfect situation that he could be. I like him. I think he's a really good source of blocks and boards. I also think that if he's playing about 30 minutes a night, we could see some really nice double-doubles with a couple of blocks to go with that as well. Lamelo Ball went at three. So I think that a lot of people here are going to, to reach for him. Charlotte is a really, really solid spot for him to, to land. And although I don't know if he's going to start opening night, I think that's going to change really quickly. Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, last year, they looked they looked good. Devontae obviously looked fantastic, but both of them can't shoot the basketball. And the usage that they had is huge, which obviously relates into fantasy stats, but they aren't franchise guards. I think everybody probably knows that. Lamelo absolutely can be. His assist numbers, his steal numbers are going to be elite. He can rebound the ball really, really well for a guard as well, similar to his brother, but also similar to his brother. His shooting numbers are horrible. They were really, really poor for the NBL, for the Australian Basketball League, and I think translating that into the NBA with some bigger defenders, I think they're going to be absolutely infuriating. If you're going down a field goal punt build or even a free throw punt build, actually, I think he's definitely somebody worth grabbing. Uh, I think just inside the top 100 is a really, really nice place for him. And he's the sort of person that you can get late and really have a, a nice upside to it. Skipping over you know, four, five, and six, just because I don't know if they're going to be as relevant for this fantasy league. But Killian Hayes, he went at seven. He went to Detroit. Detroit is very much a dumpster fire. So whoever they got, they were going to have some immediate impact I think like most rookies, Killian's going to have his down moments, but he's going to get the keys to the offense early 
and I think that he is in a really, really good position to make the position his own. Luke Kennard, he's also been traded away, which I'll touch on in a second. So it's really just down to a broken Derek Rose and a broken Brandon Knight for him to be successful. If I'm betting against those two guys, which I generally am, I'm betting for Killian Hayes. So I'll be drafting him wherever I can. I'll be targeting him late. If I had the choice of Killian Hayes, LaMelo Ball, or Anthony Edwards at a pick 100, for example, Killian's my man. I think he's really, really positioned to, to have a good year, and he's somebody that could absolutely take Rookie of the Year honors. Another player I really like is Obi Toppin. He went to New York at eight. There was a lot of New York supporters that were talking about Halliburton going to them, but I think Obi Toppin's a better fit. They're also a bit of a dumpster fire, and they've got some really nice new pieces. And Toppin, he he works really well next to Mitch Robinson. Mitch Robinson is somebody who I like and I have liked for a little while now. He, for some reason, couldn't get any minutes behind Taj Gibson, who's now off the roster. So that position is Mitch's to take. Obi Toppin, he will work really nicely contrasting Mitch Robinson's game style. Toppin is all offense, whereas Robinson's all defense. He Toppin stretches the floor really well. He could absolutely average 15 and 8 with a couple of threes, as well as being super athletic. So I think there's going to be some really nice highlights to go with that. Similar to Killian, I think that it's going to be out of those two to get rookie of the year. Uh, I think they're both in the best positions that they can be in really bad sides who are going to feed them all the usage possible as well while they're rebuilding. Denny Avdija, probably pronounced that horribly wrong, but he went at nine to Washington. I thought that was a really good get. Similar to Killian, similar to Obi, I like whenever players who get drafted to really poor teams and they get picked at the top end of their range, for example. So Denny, he was projected to go at, say, at about nine to about 14. Um, he went at nine. So obviously, Washington are buying into him really, really well. And I think he was a really good get. He'll start from opening night, but his fantasy relevance is going to come down to usage. They've got Bradley Beal, and that's about it. So he's pretty decent across the board. He doesn't hurt you anywhere. He doesn't really stand out anywhere. So if he gets the usage, I think he could be a really nice sleeper, but he's probably more of a last-round flyer, maybe a watch list sort of guy. A couple of deeper dives when it comes to rookies and ones that I think will be relevant. I really like Malachi Flynn. He went at 29 to Toronto. I will be honest, as I was writing this, I wrote it a couple of days ago, and that was before Van Fleet signed on. But it doesn't really change too much, purely due to the fact that outside of Van Vliet, Lowry, and Powell, Toronto are really, really thin at the guard slot. We also know that Toronto are really good at developing players and developing them really well and really quickly. So I do think he's really worth a watch list. It might not be one to draft, depending on obviously how deep your league is. If you're going to a 16, 18, 20-man league, grab him, grab him late. But he's somebody to to definitely keep an eye on, especially, you know, Lowry's old. He could absolutely get hurt. Van Fleet, he had a, a couple of little niggles last year. So I reckon that they'll probably blood Malachi Flynn a, a little earlier in the season to see what we can get from him. Finally, out of the rookies, I really like Vernon Carey. He went at 32. He also went to Charlotte. Charlotte are... Uh, in a full rebuild stage. So they're going to play all of their young guys because they kind of have to. 
they do so he's a power forward slash center and they do have a really nice group there but they are pretty lean at the center slot miles bridges and pj washington they're really nice they've just got um gordon hayward as well he can slide up to the to the four but they don't really have anybody at center they've got cody zeller they've got hernan gomez and they've got bismack biombo all of which are not starting centers even cody zeller came out and said that he's probably not the starting center on a playoff side. So I think that he's going to get quite a bit of run early in the season. So the upside is absolutely there. Charlotte, as I said, they're full tank mode, so minutes will be up for grabs. He's also, I think he's 6'10 or 6'11, so he's got that size. We do know that traditionally big men take a little bit to come on, but Charlotte have got nothing to lose. So why not give him a crack? On to some trade talk. So... I it, this is going to be a bit convoluted, so bear with me because there's been players that have just been traded like three or four times, so it's a little bit of a map. I feel like um, I feel like I'm painting kind of a bit of a murder board. I've got strings everywhere following other players around, but we'll see how we go. Okay, see, they sent Dennis Schroeder to LA to the Lakers for Danny Green and pick 28. I, I really like this fit for Schroeder. I think that he will probably turn out much the same as what he did the year just gone. Something like 18-4-4 four and four with a couple of threes, which was good enough for around about the 100 in rankings. But my biggest concern is is actually about LeBron when it comes to this trade. I think that this is another sign that he's going to cherry pick to start the season. LeBron p- plays massive minutes at the point guard slot. We know that. The best players that to be surrounded by him are defensive guards so that he can rest off the ball, play big on the uh, play big on defense and let his guards play against other guards. Schroeder's not a good defender. So I think that, well, reading into it, I think that the reason that they've got Schroeder in is going to be either for a bit of a punch off the bench or if he is starting, I think it's going to be because LeBron is resting. So my advice on Dennis Schroeder would be to Draft him where you think relevant. I think it's late. I think it's about 100. And I would be selling high on him because I think he's going to have a really, really big first month of the season. So if you can get him and you've got a couple of people in your league who don't really know the NBA all that well, get him. Wait until he's punching out 20, 22, 23 points a game, a couple of rebounds, four, five, six assists. Keep in the back of your mind that you know that he's not going to keep that down the stretch whenever LeBron's playing and trade him out for somebody who's in the top 50 because full season, yeah, he'll be relevant. Yeah, he'll be good. But I think that your your best bet is to get him in the sell him high. So then Danny Green. Danny Green was the other piece of that. Danny Green is very much irrelevant in the situation, in any situation to be fair. But then OKC got him and then packaged him up with Terrence Ferguson and offloaded them both to Philly for Al Horford and pick 34. As the trade web that I'm talking about unravels, this will make a little bit more sense, but I actually really like Horford in this situation. Stephen Adams, who is now no longer there, um, he, he wasn't really a big usage guy, so Horford is now going to get a ton of touches. He is going to stretch the floor well. He passes really well, so I think that they're going to run a lot of play through him, certainly more than than that they did in Philly. One thing that I did love about Horford in Philly was whenever Embiid sat because he was getting everything. So 
that's pretty much the situation that we've got now. So have a look at Horford, have a look at him in your kind of mid to later rounds. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to give him another run this year. On Stephen Adams. So he was dealt to New Orleans. It's going to technically be part of a four-team deal that sent Drew Holiday across to Milwaukee. Derek Favors also left to go to Utah as part of the free agency. But Steve Adams, New Orleans, I think it's a really good fit. Him next to Zion is going to be really good. It's going to be a bit of lob city with Lonzo Ball. And we're hoping that it's going to feel what Derek Favors should have done last year in New Orleans and really dominate on the inside and really get some nice, easy touches. CP3, he was also shipped out and he was shipped across to the Suns for Rubio, Ubre Jr. and a bunch of irrelevant players. CP3 was, he was really solid this year. He's on the Tom Brady vegan diet. So I think he's going to be solid again for the Suns and put up close to what he did this year, which is 17 and 7 with, you know, over a steal, over a triple. So I'm done betting against CP3. He's old, but he knows how to take care of his body. He knows how to play basketball. He is a step slower and he's going to continue to get a step slower, but he's so smart that I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for him in the early to mid rounds. The flip side of CP3 in that deal is Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre. They were obviously both then dealt away from OKC. So Ricky Rubio, he's now back in Minnesota for a pick, maybe, maybe two picks. And then Oubre, he came across to Golden State for a pick. So one thing that we know is that Ricky Rubio, he does Ricky Rubio things. So he's going to get his assists. He's going to get his steals. He's going to get his poor shooting. And that's about it. As not much to see with him. If you want to get him kind of in your in your later rounds, if you need a lift in steals, if you need a lift in assists, then then grab them. Kelly Oubre, he's one of my favorite players. He's gone across to Golden State. The the obvious thing here is that he's filling in the void for Clay Thompson. So Clay Thompson, if you didn't know, has gone down with a season ending Achilles injury. And I, I love the replacement role. Oubre obviously isn't the the shooter that Clay is, but what he does have is that really good wing defender skill set. He can stretch the floor. He can actually stretch up to play in the power forward position if they decide to go with their Hampton Fives lineup again. And I, I really like Ubre there. He's had a career season last year almost across the board with 19 points, six rebounds, two triples, 1.3 steals and 0.7 blocks. And as much as I don't think that those numbers are necessarily going to go up, I do think that they are going to stay as more of the same. If anywhere is going to go up, I think it's going to be his blocks and his boards, purely from the fact that I think he's going to play a bit of power forward at times. Portland, they got Robert Covington from Houston for Trevor Reza and some picks. I'm going to be honest, I feel like this is a little bit of a calm before the storm here with Houston. The storm being a complete roster blow up and Covington going to Portland is a great fit. Last year, I was big on Zach Collins, but he obviously didn't play. I think that in the Portland game style, I think having a stretch big who can play D, who can shoot threes from the power forward slot is is really, really clever. Robert Covington, he's going to do that. He's going to have a great year. You know what you get from him. You're going to get the defense. You're going to get the triples. You're not going to get many points. That's what you're going to get. So if you need that, grab him. Trevor Reza was then traded from Houston to the Pistons for a pick, who have now traded him to Oklahoma City. As I said, 
there is a ridiculous web of players moving around. So it's a it's a little bit crazy. So if it's not making a lot of sense, I do apologize. But Trevor Reza, he's now in OKC. I don't really see him cracking the starting lineup or playing more than 20 minutes per game. So view him as a 3 and D guy. He, any position he lands in, it's going to be much the same. 3 and D, off the waivers, no issues there. Milwaukee and the aforementioned Drew Holiday. So they've gone and got themselves Drew in exchange for Bledsoe, George Hill, and something like five first-rounders. I think it's three first-rounders and maybe a swap, two swaps in the first round. Bledsoe is an interesting one. I actually really like him for New Orleans. His usage rate last year playing with Giannis was so, so tiny. So with more opportunity, I fully expect his numbers to increase. Keen to see the ESPN rankings, but Bledsoe towards the end of the season was ranked at about 100. So I think that's solid gold there. I I think that he's going to turn out some mid-70s, maybe even late 60s value. So if you can get him with your pick 10 in 10-man leagues or you know pick 8 in, in 12-man leagues, I think that there's some really good value there. On the flip side of that, obviously Milwaukee got Drew Holiday. I love Drew. I love watching him play in real life, but I'm a little concerned about him in this situation. He's coming off a, a relatively down year for the lofty standards that I think a lot of people had. And we know he's good for steals. He'll turn that out. We know he's good for assists. They may drop a little bit. But playing with Giannis and Middleton, I just don't think he's going to get the usage to sustain his nearly 20 points per game. There is every possibility that he takes more shots from deep, which just isn't his game. He took a he took more last year than he has in previous years, and his field goal went down. He's usually about 50%, which is great for a point guard. And the way that... Milwaukee play, they give the entire key to to Giannis. Giannis is going to have the ball running up the court, and that is going to lend it a bit more to their guards spreading the floor and shooting more threes. Their entire game is built around Giannis and then shooting threes. So as much as I think Drew Holiday, from a defensive standpoint, a real-life defensive standpoint, him, Middleton, Giannis, Brook Lopez, I mean, that is fantastic, but I don't know how it's going to work for Drew Holiday from a fantasy standpoint. Again, similar to Bledsoe, I'd be keen to see where ESPN and Yahoo have got Drew Holiday in the rankings. But if I'm being honest, I and it hurts me to say it, but I think that he's going to be more of a 35 to 40 as opposed to last year, which was a 25 to 30. So I could be wrong. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I'm not completely sold on the situation that Drew's in. Some more probably not as exciting news, but as I mentioned earlier, Luke Kennard's gone to the Clippers. Not sure, really sure why Detroit did that. They don't have anything going for them right now, so why not give the ball to Kennard? Um, he was also one of my sleepers that I was going to talk about next week, but you know that's that's now dead in the water. I'm going to have to find another one, but that's okay. Brooklyn also got some depth. They um, traded for Landry Shamet. I think they got Bruce Brown as well. Again, deep league relevant. Shaman, he I mean he could be somebody to to be noteworthy. I think it's gonna be out of him and Joe Harris to start at the two guard. Now onto some free agents. Jeff Teague, he signed at Boston. I don't really love Jeff Teague in fantasy basketball anymore, but this is the perfect situation for him. He's good. He's he's good for a backup, and I'm not sold on Kemba Walker. So 
there's two main handcuffs that you want in fantasy basketball. So handcuffs are the the backup to a to a, a starting player. So you want to have a backup for somebody who is extremely injury prone, for example. So Jeff Teague is backup to Kemba Walker. I don't trust Kemba's health. I don't trust that Boston aren't going to manage him through the year so he's completely healthy for the playoffs because they are playing for the bigger picture. They're not fighting for a playoff spot. They're going to get it. They're going to get a high seed. So they're going to keep Kemba healthy. So I think Jeff Teague is in for some really big minutes. So if I'm drafting Kemba Walker, I damn sure want to make sure I've got Jeff Teague. On the same side, not really free agency worthy, but if I'm drafting Kyrie Irving, damn sure I'm drafting Spencer Dinwiddie as well because you want to make sure that if one of those guys goes down, you've got the person who's going to roll straight into that starting spot. So as I said, Jeff Teague signs at Boston. Tristan Thompson, he also signs in at Boston. I think it's really, really clever for them to sign Tristan Thompson. Enos Cantor, he has signed with Portland, so he's off the roster. Daniel Tice has also had off-season surgery, so they needed somebody to fill that position. Tristan Thompson's a really good one for that. KCP, he's re-signed with the Lakers, only really relevant for deep legs. He averaged 10 points per game, a couple of triples, a couple of assists, maybe a steal every so often. He's more of a good real-life defender as opposed to a good fantasy defender. Rondo and Chris Dunn, they've both signed at Atlanta. I don't know which of those two are going to play backup. Maybe they both come off the bench and play together. I don't know. I'll probably steer clear of both of them until I can see some more rotational work. If Chris Dunn is the backup, I'm going to grab him because he's really, really good for steals. Rondo, don't know. He's good, but I don't know if he's going to stay healthy. Jeff Green, he signed at the Nets. Just provides them with more depth. It's been about five years since Jeff Green's been fantasy relevant. Avery Bradley, he signed with Miami, which I really like. My concern is about Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero here. I think that Avery Bradley could very well take the starting position. And I think that lends itself to Duncan Robinson moving to the bench. I think Tyler Hero is also probably going to move to the bench now that Goran Dragic has signed on. Um, He came out and said that Jimmy Butler gave him a phone call and physically threatened to hurt him if he didn't sign on with Miami. So so obviously, they've really invested into Goran Dragic. So it'd be interesting to see how that rotation rolls out. Dwight Howard, he's moved from the Lakers over to Philly to, to back up Joel Embiid. I don't think that that's going to, to matter too much. Even if Embiid goes down, Dwight Howard's not going to be a fantasy superstar. Harrell's signed from the Clippers to the Lakers. Uh, he's going to be playing in the same stadium just with different colors on, which is pretty cool. I think that he's going to fill the same role. I don't think he's going to start. I think he's going to come off the bench, and I think he's going to do much the same as what he did this year. So there's no real fantasy implications there. To fill that spot at the Clippers, they've gone and signed Serge Barker, which, again, I really like. I think he's going to have a similar season to what he did at Toronto, and he's going to fill the void that Harrell left. He's a really, really good fit for that side. He's a little bit... Older, obviously, so he doesn't have that energy, but defends really well, can shoot the three. Yeah, I like it as a good fit. Gordon Haywood, surprising probably everybody in the league. He has decided to decline his player option worth something like $34 million and sign with Charlotte, which is $120 million over four years. I 
just think it's a bit ridiculous. Hayward's been out of sorts, hasn't been playing good basketball for a couple of years now. Yes, obviously, he was injured, but that just adds to his deterrence. He's not as durable as he was at the start of his career. However, one thing that Charlotte does offer is opportunity. Opportunity is your best friend in fantasy, and Hayward will be the guy in Charlotte. He's going to get the ball put through him a lot. I don't know if I trust him, but if you do and you think that he's going to stay healthy, absolutely grab him because he has the opportunity to churn out top 30 value and you can probably get him at 50 because there's a lot of question marks over his head. So if you like him, grab him. Christian Wood, he signed with Houston. This signing actually signals the end of the small ball experiment at Houston. Wood was was really great to own last year. I had him in a couple of leagues. He produced some really lovely stat lines towards the end of the year whenever he got more opportunity. And he was actually probably close to my favorite sleeper going into this season. But as it currently sits, he's playing with two superstars who need a ton of basketball. So until one or both of those guys are traded, I am not sold on Wood's upside. In fact, I'm not even sold on his floor. He needs to be able to create a little bit on the offensive end, and he's not going to be able to do that, obviously, with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So if they move those guys, take Christian Wood. If they don't move those guys, I don't know. I don't know. I might take him at the end of my draft, hoping that there's a bit of upside, but I, yeah, I'm not sure. Jeremy Grant, he has signed with Detroit. I absolutely love this. I, I wish that Christian Wood was the one signing with Detroit, but Detroit suck. I think I mentioned this uh, a few minutes ago. He He's going to get as much usage as he can possibly imagine there. They've got very little in the way of depth as well. So Grant is in line for what I think will be a massive career year, and he's probably the only Detroit player I'll be willing to own. I also think it's only a matter of time until they offload Blake Griffin. So as it currently sits, he's going to be playing next to or behind, as crazy as that sounds, Blake Griffin. I think that the upside's there for Jeremy Grant. So once they trade Blake Griffin, which is inevitable, they're either going to buy out his contract or trade him, Grant's stocks will rise. So make sure that you've got him before that happens. Danilo Gallinari, I think he's probably my last one that I've got here, Danilo. He has signed with Atlanta. Again, I absolutely love this. For fantasy, not so much for real life. It does hurt Kevin Herter. It does hurt Hunter. It does hurt Cam Reddish. But Gallo had had a really nice year this year and surprisingly stayed healthy. So like with them signing Rondo, like with them signing Chris Dunn, it's a signal that Atlanta, they intend to play in playoffs and they intend to make a little bit of noise. So Gallo, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's in line for 20 points and a couple of threes per game. From a fantasy side, from a real life side, I am obviously very concerned about their defense. Trey Young can't defend. Gallo is not a good defender. If they put Herter in the two guard, He's not a good defender. Obviously, you've got John Collins. Obviously, you've got Clint Capella, and it's a nice starting five, but mm, don't know. I think that's about everybody from a trade and from a free agency side. No doubt I would have forgotten something, so apologies for that. If I have, absolutely let me know. But next podcast, I'm going to be looking at some sleepers and some busts ahead of your drafts, which will probably be in a couple of weeks. Also, I've just created a new basketball fantasy page on Facebook. It's called Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. So feel free to join that one if you're looking for a new league to join, if you're looking for some guys or, or want to start up a couple of discussions. 
As always, if you've got any questions or comments, shoot them through to fantasylandbasketball at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at MarkFantasyland. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe.